Two weeks ago, we kicked off a three-week series that we're doing called The Bible Doesn't Say That. I'm not sure how many weeks in these three weeks you've been able to be a part of The Bible Doesn't Say That series, but it's been a powerful three weeks as we're jumping into what the Bible actually says. So we know that throughout history, there have been some mottos or some phrases that have evolved, and we've given credit of those particular phrases or mottos to Scripture or to God when ultimately the Bible doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, week number one, we looked at this particular thought that God will never give you more than you can handle. And we kind of debunked this falsity. We debunked this myth and we looked at what scripture actually says. Last Sunday, we kept going in the deep end of the the pool and we talked about this idea. Does God really help those who help themselves? And we landed on this truth that God helps those who admit that they can't help themselves. It's the purpose of God sending his son, Jesus. So if you were here the last two Sundays, you've enjoyed this series. Come on, can you make some noise real quick? It's been great. If, uh, if you've missed any of the previous weeks, we always make the messages available online. I think a series like this is really good to share maybe with a family member or a friend, especially somebody that's going through a lot and maybe they've heard God will never give you more than you can handle. That would be an encouragement to them to hear uh, just some scripture and some thoughts. Or maybe you know somebody that they're leaning a lot on their own self-reliance and independence and uh, they're trying to figure their way out of a problem or a situation. This message that we did last Sunday would be good to share with them as well. Now today, I'm going to give you the the final thought of this three-week series, and of course, Pastor Chris is coming next Sunday. Let's spend the next few minutes talking about this one. God wants me happy. God wants me happy. On the count of three, both locations, let's say this phrase together. You ready? One, two, three. God wants me happy. Now, I want to clear the air, and then I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So here's clearing the air. The Bible doesn't say this, all right? So there's not a particular passage or verse in Scripture that says verbatim, God wants me happy. But whenever, this is my thought, whenever you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't help but be happy. Give me a better amen. It's like one of you are like, amen. No, it's true. When you have an encounter with God, who saves you and delivers you and frees you and transforms your life. And you're no longer the old person that lived. And now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Like that just does something to you. I, I'm going to tell you real quick. I've, I, there's a BCJC, a before Christ JC. And the world offered me a lot of counterfeit things that they told me would make me happy. But when I met Jesus, that's when I really found happiness, you know? So... So the Bible doesn't say verbatim that God wants you happy, but depending on how you approach this thought, there might be some truth to it. Let me give you, let me give, I'm going to give you a ton of Bible today. So I want you to write some thoughts down. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 14 says it like this. When times are good, be happy. As a matter of fact, there's a little song I wrote. I'd like to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Yeah, you know it. Don't pretend like you don't know it. Yeah, when times are good, be happy. But the psalmist David said it like this. This may uh, challenge some of you in the season of life you're in. He says, you make known to me the path of life and you fill me with joy. Man, you fill me with joy and you only find that kind of joy in the presence of God. And, and God has these eternal what? 
yeah, pleasures, come on, that are at his right hand. The psalmist David goes on and he says this, he says, look, whenever I'm full of anxiety, he says, it's then that your comfort brings me joy. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, I, I've told you these things so that my joy, the joy of Jesus, real joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And if you grew up in church or or, you know, you've been around church for a while. You've probably learned the fruits of the Spirit. So whenever we come into a right-standing relationship with God, we start to live out the fruit of the Spirit. We're teaching our kids these uh, fruits of the Spirit. Uh, Lakeland, who's 10, and my daughter, London, who's going to be 5 at the end of the month. They're so cute as they, you know, kind of quote out the nine fruits of the Spirit. And here they are. They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and I love this last line, and against such things, there is no law. Listen to me, there's no law that says you can't love. That, there's no law that says you can't have joy in the middle of a storm, or there's no law that says you can't have peace in the middle of a problem. Are you hearing me? So, so now, clearing the air, the Bible doesn't ultimately say that God wants you happy, but Whenever you experience a relationship with Christ Jesus, there is a joy. There is a joy that comes into your mind and a joy that should come into your heart. As a matter of fact, it was Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, verse number 10, that reminds us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Come on, you know that verse. Now, let's not get it confused because there is a difference between joy and happiness. They work in harmony with one another, but there is a difference between the two. Uh, you've heard me teach some of this before. Let me, let me give you a thought here. Um, you, can, you can experience the emotion of happiness, yet not live in complete joy. But you can't live in complete joy and not ever experience the emotion of happiness. So they, they work together in certain situations, but there are some unique differences between joy and happiness. And here's the biggest difference. Happiness depends on what's happening. So, so this idea of God wants me happy because happiness depends on what's happening means that you're only happy when times are good, but joy depends on your relationship with Jesus. So, so fellas, uh, we get to experience happiness whenever our favorite football team wins or basketball team wins. And depending on what sports team you pull for, you may not ever really get to feel that emotion much. <laughs> Ladies, you, you're, you're real happy. You experience the emotion of happiness when you get to go to Target. Come on now. I've said, I've said it before, like, ladies, when you go to Target, you find a really good deal. You're just really happy. And Kimberly said, I don't need to find a good deal to feel happy. When I'm in Target, I feel happy. Deal or no deal. Come on now. But joy, joy is not circumstantial. Joy, joy is not contingent upon what's happening around you. It's not, it's not connected to the circumstances that you face. Joy is, watch this, write this one word down. Joy is contentment. Now, in our English language, we think of the word contentment as to, to kind of be like, well, it is what it is, or I, I guess I'll just have to deal with it. But, but the Hebrew word for contentment means so much more than just, well, oh, well, I'll just put up with life. No, the Hebrew word for contentment is this thought of being pleased no matter what. 
the Hebrew word for content or contentment is satisfaction. Or here's another one, happiness. So let me show you an example. You have the, uh, the apostle Paul who wrote over two thirds of the New Testament. He's writing a letter to the church at Philippi. It's a book of Philippians. And he writes just four chapters. So it's an incredibly short book in the Bible. And under the circumstances of his writing, he would have every reason to vent of his frustration. What's happening around him and what's happening to him would not warrant happiness, the emotion of happiness. But in this four-chapter letter, he talks about joy 16 times. And here's why that's so unique. He's in a Roman jail. Not only is he in jail, but he's chained to a Roman guard. He's awaiting a trial that he believes the outcome is going to be his execution. And so he's writing this letter and he says these words, watch this. He says, for I have learned to be content in whatever situation that I'm in. I'm going to challenge some of you today because again, we're wanting God to make us happy when ultimately God wants us to be full of joy. And he says, I've learned to be content in whatever the situation. And this is what he says. And I think many of you can connect to this. He says, I know what it's like to be on top of the mountain. And then I know what it's like when the mountain's on top of me. You ever been there before? He says, I know, I know how to live in poverty. And I also know how to live in times of prosperity. But no matter the situation, and watch this, highlight this in your Bible. He says, I've learned the secret of how to live. This is good because he says the secret is this, regardless of if I'm full or maybe even if I'm hungry, when I've had too much or when I have too little, he says, I'm telling you, the secret is joy. It's joy. And then he gives us his verse, Philippians 4.13. It's one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible and incredibly misinterpreted. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, you have to know the context here. Paul is not saying that you can jump out of an airplane with no parachute and you just blah, whoa. <laughs> you know, I, I played golf over the weekend and it's just another humble reminder that I can't do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on now. And Paul is talking, though, about this reality of no matter what you face in life, no matter what comes your way, no matter what storms show up or pressures show up, that the secret of how to live is resting on the joy of the Lord that is your strength and that no matter what you're up against today, you can face all those things through Christ who gives you strength. That's a great place to pause and give Jesus some thanks. Come on. Oh, come on, go church. Does God want me happy? That's what we're thinking through. Does God, does God really want me happy? You know, so again, you come into a right relationship with Jesus and you'll experience the emotion of happiness, but really God wants you full of joy. He wants you to experience his joy. So I don't know if you've ever done this before. I'm gonna take that back. I know you have done this before because we've all done this before. Like God... We've asked God, what do you want for my life? What's your, what's your purpose for my life? What's, what's your plan for my life? And I don't want to get ahead of myself and, and I don't want to be overly redundant, but I do want to continue to make the point that 
if God's ultimate plan is just to make you happy, you're going to fail to find true fulfillment with the plan of God and the call of God that's actually on your life. If all you think God should do is make you happy, then you're going to move from relationship to relationship, from job to job, from neighborhood to neighborhood, from this to that, because after a while, something doesn't make, it doesn't make me happy anymore. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've prayed, God, now, if you do this, it'll make me real happy. And God chose in his wisdom to say no. I've shared this before, but uh, before God sent me uh, Kimberly, my wife, who in October, this past October, we celebrated 15 years of marriage. Come on, somebody. You know, I, 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 had a few, I had a few other girlfriends before Kimberly came along. And uh, a number of times I told the Lord, now, this is the one. I want to marry this one. And God obviously told me no. And now I look at her Facebook and I think, thank you, Jesus. Come on now. Can somebody testify to that? I'm thinking, Lord, your grace is sufficient and your mercies are new like every morning because I could have ended up with cray cray. And you gave, you gave me Kimberly. Thank God for Kimberly. Come on, ladies. Kimberly, Kimberly led with her creative team the you go girl. One day event yesterday at both campuses. They had over 500 ladies. It was like, it was like take over, take over ladies. They just, we ran out of Kleenex. Come on some. God, God gave, God gave me Kimberly when he could have given me what I thought would make me happy. Now to the ex-girlfriend that's watching the live stream, we're just praying for you, you know, just praying for us. I'm just kidding. And have you ever thought like God, because listen, we don't really know what we want in our life. Because we have this, we have this bad perspective of things. And I just, I don't know. I've asked the Lord, like, God, what do you want from me? And if, and if all I can land on is, well, you know, God wants me happy, I think I've missed it. I think there's more to that. So let me, let me, get, let me just finish the thought here. Um, so many times in my life, I've, I've asked God, okay, so what do you want for my life? What is your plan for my life? What is your, your purpose like? And I don't know if you've ever taken it this far, but I've thought, God, why am I alive today? Like, why did I wake up today? That's, that's the grace of God. Come on. And it's a reminder that he's not finished with me, that there's still purpose and a plan. So whenever I try to figure out, like, ultimately, God, what do you want for me? I have to go back to the cross. So if God loved us enough to send us Jesus, why, why would he do that? Why would he put his son through the crucifixion and the ridicule and the, the beatings and the, the pain and the agony? I mean, why, why would he place, allow there to be placed on the son of God's head, a crown of thorns and nails pierced in his wrist and in his feet and they, they whipped Jesus to the point of, of death and they pierced his side. And wh why? Let, let me say this to you respectfully. But if you think God sent his son Jesus to make you happy, we, we've, got, we've got to figure this thing out. 
Now, when we find Jesus, yes, joy comes in, but there's more to all of this. So let's answer this question. Then what, what does God ultimately want for my life? Because it's more than just your happiness. And when you look at the cross, watch this. Out of the cross, three things are revealed that I believe God wants for you. More than just your happiness. Here's the first one. When you look at the cross, God wants you heaven bound. Come on, give me an amen right there. God wants you heaven bound. Let me just remind somebody, okay? This world is not our home. This is a temporary world. This is a temporary place of residence. And if we live 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, that's just the tip, the, the very eye of the needle in terms of the beginning of eternity. And one day we're all going to stand before God. And I'm not trying to play off your emotion, but I think you know to the re I think you need to know the reality of the seriousness of the life that you live. God sent his son Jesus so that he could pay the penalty of sin and pave the way for us to go to heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So here we go then. So God wants me to be heaven bound. You know this verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever believes in him should not what? Yeah, but we get what? And we get eternal life. I love 2 Peter 3, 9. I told you I'm gonna give you a lot of Bible today. So watch this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as many of us understand slowness or timing. Have you, ever, have you ever had a situation where you're like, okay, Lord, like, time's running out. No, he says, instead, he is patient with you. We ought to be thankful for the patience of God. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to where? Repentance. And I, I've heard people say this, well, how, how could a loving God send people to hell? God, God, let, listen, God does not send people to hell. God made a way out. God made provision. God, God gave us a way of escape. God sent his son Jesus that through his blood, you and I wouldn't have to ever experience eternal punishment, but we could live in eternal glory. Listen to me. God sends no one to hell. People choose to go there. That's a, that's a choice. Well, well, if God really loved, yeah, if God really, God really did love. And let me tell you the ultimate desire of God's heart. It's 1 Timothy 2, 4. He wants all people to be saved. It's his desire for you, listen to me, church, for you to come into a place of salvation. And in that place of salvation, man, you will experience joy that is unspeakable. It's God's desire for you to come to the knowledge of truth. Why? Because it is only the truth that can set you free. So who is heaven for? What, what, what is this gospel for? Revelation says it like this, anybody who's thirsty. If there's anybody thirsty, listen, the invitation is that you can come and you can drink from the water of life. Whoever wishes, let them take this free gift of life. Now, I, I feel this, so I'm just going to say it. The enemy would love for you to be distracted in this moment. Especially those of you that are like, well, I, well I've, I've said yes to Jesus. Well, praise God for that. But there are so many people around this world that if they die today, they won't, they won't make it into heaven. 
You ought to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere you go, every place you go. Listen to me, because we have an opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. Heaven could be our home, but you got to share the message of, listen, who's thirsty? There is a, I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but outside of your world, there's a big world. Look at your name and say, that's good. Like he's talking to you. Some of us think that it's just our, this is our world. You know, this is just the earth is rotating on its axis for me. There's a big world out there. And the more that we try to see through the lens of Jesus, the more that we see that people are hurting and they're hopeless and they, they don't know about the hope of heaven. And maybe you're here today at either one of our locations. You want to know what God's ultimate plan, what his ultimate desire, what his ultimate goal is for you. It's for you to spend eternity in heaven with him. God loved you enough to pay the penalty of your sin on that cross at Calvary. Can I get 356 people, come on, to give Jesus some thanks. So what does God want? God doesn't just want you happy. God wants you heaven bound. Here's another one. When you look at the cross, out of the cross we see this. God wants you healed. He wants you healed. All right, Pastor JC, now break this down. What kind of healing are you talking about? I'm so glad you asked. I'm talking about emotional healing. God wants you to experience mental healing and health. God wants you to experience physical healing. So there's a difference between mental health and emotional health. So mental health is the way that you process information. Emotional health or health is how you live that information out. So if you're unhealthy mentally, that when you take that in, then you'll respond unhealthy. And then physically, listen to me, there is so much sickness going on in this world. And now we've got the coronavirus and some of y'all are terrified of the coronavirus. You are, oh God, I, you've already WebMD'd, you got it, I got coronavirus. Uh, let me tell you, just wash your hands. <laughs> and tell your little kids, man, wash your hands. Come on. I, this might be TMI, but I was in the bathroom the other day at a fast food restaurant. This dude walked out, didn't wash his hands. I'm like, <clears throat> <clears throat> he was like, yes. <clears throat> What's wrong with people? Well, it's my body, but I don't want your body's germs. Oh my God, wash your hand or at least sanitize them things. There's so much sickness going on and people, they live in this paranoia and this fear of sickness. I mean, it seems like, it seems like just about every day I just hear about somebody else getting cancer. I, I think about even here in Noonan, we have the can, one, of, one of the cancer treatment centers of America. While I don't go inside of that hospital much, every time I drive by, I'm like, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, and, and I don't know how affected you are personally or with your family or friends, but it seems like I always hear of another bad doctor's report. Some of you really struggle with migraine headaches and chronic back pain. I don't know if you've ever had a migraine, but Jesus. I've had 16, 17 kidney stones. You know what a kidney stone will do to a preacher? will make him need to repent. Come on now. <laughs> Woo! 
If you've ever had a kidney stone, you know what I'm talking about. They said, the, the, doctor, the doctor said to me on the last one, he said, you know, Mr. Worley, a, a kidney stone for a man is like a woman having a baby. And I just looked, I didn't even say that, I just looked at my wife and she's like, wrong. <laughs> All right. So I just, I told my like, bro, I got 16 illegitimate children right now. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, I'm talking about kidney stones. Somebody's on the live stream Googling J.C. Worley, 16 illegitimate. Who was that ex-girlfriend? <laughs> I ain't talking about that. Can I tell you something? No, God doesn't want you sick. And sickness does not come from God. As a matter of fact, again, you look at the cross, Isaiah, Isaiah said these words, that, that he was pierced for our transgressions, that he was bruised or crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace was on him and, and by his wounds, or one translation says that, by his stripes, we are healed. On the count of three, both locations, if you need healing in your body, I want you to shout this out. By his wounds, I am healed. You ready? One, two, three. By his wounds, I am healed. The psalmist David said this, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, and watch, heals all your diseases. When I landed on this verse this week, in my Bible, I underlined this word, benefits. It just jumped out at me. I thought, wait a minute. In my relationship with God, there are benefits? Hello? Uh, let me tell you this story real quick. So earlier this week, I, I wanted to buy something on, on, on Amazon. And I wanted it, I wanted it so bad. Like real bad, because it was going to make me real happy. And, I, and I, started, I started justifying the reason that I needed to make this somewhat expensive purchase. I said, Lord, like, I, de I deserve, I remember, I had to come out, like, Lord, I deserve this. You're laughing because you've done it too. I'm like, Lord, I, like, I need this. Like, you know, it's been a busy, been a busy year. If I can get this, so I'm, I'm counting up my money. And typically when I want to make a purchase of this cost, I'll put some money aside. And, you know, so I started doing that. And then usually if I don't have enough money, I'll hit up my father-in-law, you know, come on now. And, you know, so, so anyway, like I'm, I'm calculating how much this gift is on Amazon versus what I have. And I came to the conclusion, I can't afford it. And I didn't like the outcome. Come on now. I didn't like my reality. So I sat back and I thought, man, come on, God. And then I had this divine revelation. The windows of heaven opened. An angelic being came down, not quite, but just kind of indulge with me for a moment. And I had this moment where I remembered, I've got an Amazon gift card. Oh, come on, somebody. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, panic set in. Where is that card? My God, where is that card? I'm kicking over my children. Get out of my way looking for the card. Kimberly's like, what's wrong? I'm like, get out of my way. I'm looking for this card, this Amazon gift card. And on, cause I remember on this card is more than enough. So I find this card. Yes. You know, I got the, I got the gift card number and I know what you're thinking right now. What did you buy? I ain't going to tell you. It ain't your business. Get in your own business, right? So, so I use this Amazon gift card and I make, I make the purchase and guess what? In two days, 
In two days, Cornelius, my Amazon Prime driver, showed up at my house. Pastor JC, how you doing? I said, Cornelius, I'm doing well. He said, I got your wife's package. I said, not today, Cornelius. This is from me. <laughs> so I started thinking about this because, because the gift card had a benefit. But the benefit was only good if I activated the gift card. Y'all not going to help me preach, and that's all right, because I'll just preach to me. Some of y'all got so many unused gift cards, and you've got too many unused benefits in the kingdom of God. If you are in right relationship with Jesus, then Jesus will forgive you of your sins, and he will heal you of all of your disease. All you have to do is activate the gift card. Come on, church. Yeah. There's a few more things I want. So if you've got any unused Amazon cards, I love you. Oh, he's got benefits. And the benefits are what? Forgiving of your sins and healing of your disease. So uh, that's funny, but it leads me to this thought because I, I thought this. I said, God, if you, if you will, it doesn't say some of your disease or a few of your diseases. It says all of your diseases. So why are so many people still sick? God, if you bore the stripes on your back so that I could have healing, then why are people still ill? I thought this question, if God wants everyone healed, then why isn't everyone healed? The Apostle Paul thought about this. In 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about this thorn in his flesh. Watch what he says in, in verse number 8 here of 2 Corinthians 12. He said, Lord, three different times I begged you to take this away. I've, I've been there. God, take, take this sickness away from me or take this sickness away from my... I, I watched my grandmother, my mom's mom, I watched her just be crippled by Alzheimer's. I mean, this woman, a God-fearing woman, she, she prayed every day and read her word every day and lived her life. She was so like just uh, selfless and caring and, and kind. And I watched her as Alzheimer's set in and it just crippled her. She called my mom the nurse. She didn't remember any of us. And I'll never forget this. And I don't know if this is encouraging to you, but I'll never forget on the last day of her life, she couldn't remember anything. But she could always say the alphabet backwards. Always. It was the most unique, the unique gift that I, I had ever seen anybody. And she'd always do it. And I'll remember this. And I would say to her, Nana, can you do the alphabet backwards? Z, Y, X, W, I don't know. That's about as far as I can get. <laughs> and some, even some of y'all think, is that right? <laughs> she did it all the way, all the way backwards. I wonder, but you said, you said that you would heal all disease. And Paul says, I begged you three times, Lord, to take it away, and yet I'm just going to have to deal with it. And then he says this, and each time, Lord, you responded and you said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So listen to me. If God wants everyone healed, then why isn't everybody healed? Here's a few reasons. I think some of you have unconfessed sin. You're asking God for healing, 
but you've not repented of that secret sin. And hear me, secret sin is still sin. Some of us have a lack of faith now because I'm not super intelligent. I don't, I don't know how much faith it takes for somebody to get a miracle. The Bible says that all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. I'm learning more and more. That's a pretty big seed. Hello? But some of you, you say with your mouth, you believe, you believe with your mouth, but in your heart there's doubt. I don't know if God's really going to do it. Some of you haven't received the healing because you haven't even asked. Your Bible says you have not because you ask not. To say, God, I'm, I'm, if, if you said that you would bring healing, then I'm asking you to do it. Here's two more. It's just not the right time. God's ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His actions aren't yours. His way is always, always better. Can you give me an amen right there? And then here's one. Watch. Maybe there's a higher purpose. If God healed you, yeah, you would be happy. But maybe there's a higher purpose for the sickness that you're dealing with. I think about Lazarus. Lazarus was four days dead. Jesus shows up and Lazarus' sister says, well, you're too late. And Jesus says this, Jesus says, this sickness will not lead to death, but it is for the glory of God. I wonder if maybe that sickness that you're wrestling with or that loved one is wrestling with is for the glory of God. In between our gatherings here at our South Metro campus, I met with a man just a few moments ago, married for many years and his wife lost her earthly battle to cancer some years back. And he said, you know, I've had just a really hard time now as a widow processing, even in my faith, why God would allow something like that to happen. And can I, can I tell you this? It's all right for you to have questions, but you can't take up residence in the unknown. You have to lean on your faith in God to recognize that although sickness does not come from God, God can use that sickness to bring glory and to get glory and to get honor. So what if God is using whatever it is and the outcome may not be what you thought you wanted but what if your whole family was saved because of it would it then be worth it C.S. Lewis in his book The Problem of Pain he said it like this God whispers to us in our pleasures he speaks in our conscience but he shouts in our pain it, it's his megaphone to wake up or to rouse a deaf world. I believe that more than God wanting you to be happy, God wants you heaven bound and God wants you healed. Can I get a good amen? Let me take four minutes. I'll give you the last one. We'll get out of here. Some of you are getting tired. So let me give you one more thought. I believe that when you look at the cross, we learn that ultimately God wants you not to be happy but to be holy, to be holy. First Thessalonians four, verse number three, says it like this. Here it is. God, what's your will for my life? It's for you to be holy. Oh man, if you'd let me, I'd preach this real quick. This word holy means to be set apart. This word holy means to be different. Here's a word. This, this, this thought of holy means to be sanctified. 
It means that when you come into right standing with God, you don't, you don't only talk the talk of a Christian, but you walk the walk. That your actions speak louder than your words. Being holy is not what you've accomplished on your religious to-do list and showing up on church on Sunday and then Monday through Saturday, you live a life of hell. No, being holy means, God, I'm gonna pursue you with everything that I've got and I'm gonna trust you with the outcome of my life. I'm going to be different. Titus chapter two says it this, that we are a peculiar people. Yeah, that you know what? According to the norms of culture, Christians should be weird. We should be a little strange because all around the society is unholiness and ungodliness. I'm not, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be that hellfire and brimstone preacher, but you listen to me. Turn on your TV. Sex, drugs, drinking, adultery, fornication. And then, and then you add the damage of the internet. People caught up in pornography and Man, I can't tell you how many affairs I know of that have happened because of a Facebook friendship. Oh, we went to high school together. Ungodliness and unholiness is everywhere. And at the end of the day, God says, I don't want you happy. I want you holy. God, God saved us and called us to live a holy life. JC, there's a lot of work that I need to, to still like have happen in my heart. Like I, I'm a long, I've got a long way to go and I don't know if I'll ever arrive until Jesus takes me home. But man, I've, over the years, the more I've grown in Christ, the more maturity I gain in Christ, the greater my convictions become. There, there are some shows I used to watch that I can't watch anymore. As a matter of fact, the other day I told Kimberly, I was paying some bills and going through the budget and all that because here we are wake up wake up it's the first of the month i know who you are those that laughed i'm paying the bills and all that and and i said you know what kimberly i just canceled netflix she's like you canceled netflix i'm like yeah i mean you know and we got disney plus come on somebody and i was like and every time i get on netflix man it's it listen it's gd this and blankety blank that and you know, it's seductive in those relationships. And sometime back, I was watching this, uh, this show that was multiple seasons, seven or eight seasons. And I'm just I'm watching the show, I'm eating popcorn, eating, watching the show. And I've almost binge watched the whole, the whole series. And right in the middle of the last season, God said, if you love me, you'll never watch it again. Oh, no, you didn't. Why you, why you, why you do that to me? For real? Like that's real. I was like, are you? I put the popcorn down. I'm like, Orville, hold on. Are you kidding me? And God said, I've set you apart. My hand of anointing is on your life. If you love me, you'll never watch it again. So I took him, I said, we're canceling Netflix. Like it's, it's done, it's done. I'm, I wanna live my life. And again, I'm not perfect. I never will be, but I just wanna, I wanna be holy before the Lord. Romans six says it this way, I'm closing, but now you're free. You're free from the power of sin. And we, we're no longer slaves of this world. Now we're slaves of God. And now because of our relationship with God, we do the things that lead to holiness, which result in what? Say it again, they result in what? 
Yeah, because that's the responsibility. You got to work at living a holy life because those who are not holy, you will not see the Lord. You won't see the Lord. I don't know who I'm talking to, but, but God is doing a great work in you. And, uh, and that thing that's left, that thing that's next is your mouth, your mouth. Well, you know, I'm just, I cuss like a sailor. No, no longer. No, you're free in the name of Jesus. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. I don't know who I'm talking to. Well, you know, I just get my drinking from my granddaddy. No, no, you're going to break the generational stronghold right now. And you're going to live a life of holiness. No more justifying. Call it what it is. And it's sin. And sin always separates us from God. You can't ride the fence. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot with God. You've got to get all in with God. I need somebody to help me preach right now. Come on. No longer playing games with God. No, God wants you to pursue holiness. He says, you must be holy in everything you do. That means that joke, that perverted joke, that every time you tell it, they laugh. You don't get to tell it anymore. You know, you know that joke, the one you tell on the golf course and all your buddies laugh? No longer, because it's not holy. Some of you, you're going to have to throw away some eight tracks. Come on now. Burn some mixtapes. You must be holy because he is holy. You want to know what God wants for you? He doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be heaven bound. He wants you to be healed. And he wants you to be holy. Here's the question and we're done. What does God desire for my life? And then what part do I play that will allow that to happen?